This is Amateur Logic, episode 183, for July 14th, 2023. Amateur Logic is brought to you by ICOM. From base stations to portable models, ICOM has the best radio for working your favorite bands this summer. Whether outside enjoying sunny skies or inside by the AC, stay cool with ICOM. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another action-packed episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Emil. And I'm Mike. And, wow, we've got a show lined up tonight. You know, there's there's been a lot going on since we were last here. That is true. Field day, for one thing, although it's, it's in the past now, we haven't shown the footage yet. We've got the evidence all gathered ready to present tonight, yeah. plus... All of our roughing it. Yep. Mike's got a review on a antenna that I have not watched yet, so I don't know if it's if it's a thumbs up or it's a thumbs down at this point. We'll have to see. And we've got oh, some... Oh, boy, it's a non-rated yeah. video. It's kind of like They're right now. It's Not know, yet rated. Yeah. Yes. And we've also got a video here of Friedrich Schaffen from... Our friend Terry, 2E0IPK, is that yep, right? that's Terry. All right. He's in the he's chat a, room tonight. Yep, he's over in the chat room, and we appreciate him getting that together. I haven't watched that one either, so I'll be right there with everyone in the audience tonight on these. We'll be glued to the monitor. So let's go around the horn real quick, see what's going on. Tommy, what's going on? Uh. Recovering from the field day sunburn, for one thing. And, yeah. I uh, went on vacation since I've seen you last. Went over to, actually, over to Terry's uh, part of the world, over mm-hmm. to, and, and Nigel, over there to uh, England for a week. So my son had did, a good time. Did you eat any unedible food while you were there? No. Nigel tried to turn me on to the pickled eel or something, the jellied eel, but I kind of had to pass on that. Uh, he, he was joking about it, yeah. luckily, because I wasn't going to eat it anyway. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, I saw your pictures you had posted around on social media. It looked like uh, y'all had a good time. Yeah, it was a blast. We had a great yeah. time. I've never been out of the country. There's a restraining order, you know. That won't, <laughs> I was uh, going to ask, is that is that by choice or... <laughs> There's a reason for that. You went to country in New Orleans before? Well, I, yeah, I have been there a few times, you know. Well, they left the gap open and I got through. But anyway. Squeeze through the bars. Uh, here, yeah, I've just been busy. Uh, a lot of a lot of heat still going on around here. The transmitters don't like the heat. Although the 100-kilowatt generator I burn up, about a month ago, the engine has been replaced on, and it was reinstalled oh. this week. So, 
Yeah, there's that. It's not cheap. It's not cheap, Emil. What's been going on in your country? Well, in the in the country of New Orleans, after me and Glenn survived the uh, field day like you did, I did uh, something like uh, Tommy was mentioning, except I stayed in the country. Well, I left the country of New Orleans and went over to uh, Bay St. Louis, literally oh. in Bay St. Louis, in the in the water there. We spent the day out on the boats and did some swamp tours and all kind of staycation uh, version things. So we had a great time. However, it's hot and I'm burnt. I'm already starting to peel, so I'm I'm recovering. Okay. Yeah, I went through all of that back at uh, Dayton, so, you know, all the, all the peeling and stuff there. No oh, yeah. swamp monsters. So. I got burned pretty bad field day on top of that. Well, yeah. we'll probably talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Maybe. Mike, Canada looks uh, much more tropical than than I envisioned. How are things up there? Well, I guess it's about as tropical as it gets up here. Um, although it's been, I guess, I'm going to say maybe a little unseasonably cool. Um, we've been getting a lot of rain in, in the form of torrential downpours. It'll just downpour for an hour or two. It's it's kind of like being in the islands where it'll, it'll just downpour for about an hour, and the clouds will clear up, and about an hour later... It's hard to even tell uh, that there's been any rain. I don't know if you have the slide handy there, but uh, it, it talks about the uh, the changing face of open source hardware, and um, it's it's quite a lengthy read, but it's a it's a well worth the read. And uh, it it talks about how a lot of these companies that started out as open source are now switching to closed source. Uh, some of them aren't uh, living up to their agreements with the open source uh, agreements in the sense that uh, it looks like they're trying to protect their intellectual property uh, by not sharing things like uh, their source code and so, so forth and their, uh, some of their uh, PCB layout designs. But uh, if you get a chance, uh, head over to the Adafruit blog and you'll find uh, the, the whole article on there. It's it's quite worth the read, and uh, I hope it, it's not a sign of the times or a sign of the things to come because uh, this could be a game changer for the uh, for the worse. I'm afraid. Well, I know there have been a number of open source projects that have been sold in the last few years. Audacity, yeah. for one. Um, MySQL. Lo- yeah, looks like there's a cog missing out of the wheel. this is from the w5 axc field day this year we're putting up the cobweb antenna like we normally use but we got it up pretty high this time as you can tell and we're going to try to get up a little bit higher i got pretty sunburned from that deal right there so uh yeah well, anyway, it's a good thing you didn't get stung yeah. because <laughs> nobody nobody told me we were hitting the tree up there when we were trying to raise it up either. If you notice the trees moving, yeah, I was trying to grab the ropes, you know, to kind of hold it from falling over, which worked okay on the way up, not so good on the yeah, way down. It didn't work too good on the way down. We had a little <laughs> yeah. bit of a catastrophe on the way down. Yeah, nothing we couldn't recover from, but. Uh, it was pretty tough. How do you like that tent too? That's a pretty dang nice tent. That is. That's better than the than the old cloth tents we've been using. Yeah. Uh, that's the MFJ cobweb and an MFJ forty three foot fiberglass mast and an MFJ 
giant tripod. How long is the mast? 43 feet. So now it's 42 and a half? <laughs> yes. So I we, think it roughly. We, we lost about six inches of it on the way down. So Yeah. <laughs> I was having a red-green flashback when I was watching that. The way you kind of spit up some of the video, it reminded me of uh, uh, some of the red-green episodes where it was red-green, and I think his nephew that would be doing a project and uh, something would would go awry. (laughs) Yeah. We talked about it uh, while Tommy was editing it, and we decided it would just be too painful to watch it in real time. Yeah, it, it would have been long. That was sped up four times, I think. Yeah, obviously it took a lot longer than that, but we didn't get the drone up in there, the camera set up in time to get all of it. Awfully stable uh, drone footage there. It looked like the wind was blowing pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. Speaking of drone footage, we've got some more because that's not the only antenna that we had. This is where I was trying out my slingshot skills. My slingshot skills are... I need to work on those. Uh, they leave a little bit to be desired. I don't know. I did bring the fishing pole. George reminded me to bring the fishing pole. So I brought a big surf rod we use when we go surf fishing up in Virginia. But it couldn't get the uh, the weight. It was, I think it was a quarter ounce weight he had. But it wasn't heavy enough to get over the tree. No. And then I popped the uh, leather strap that you put the, the uh, ammunition in or whatever you would call it. So that broke. So yeah. we had to uh, go for a second uh, uh, method to try to get it over. So I busted out my fishing pole and did it the old-fashioned way. First Casted time. it right over. Bullseye. Yeah. Now, there was a weight stuck in that tree when we left, but I was back up there the weekend afterwards, yeah. and I found it on the ground. Oh, did you? Yeah. Wayne must have shook it out or something. Yep. Cool. So uh, we... It went up first try, and then we, so we went to the other side for the other end of the antenna and uh, cast it across the limb this time because the brush was too thick to go straight into the woods. I didn't want to go in there after it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we got that one first try too. So my uh, my champion record from uh, junior high school casting contest we had at uh, field day one time was still intact. Yeah, you anglers need to pay attention to those moves right there. He was, he almost started out at a gallop on that first one there, but no, he stopped. <laughs> no, I didn't do a happy Gilmore move with it. <laughs> okay. But it did work pretty well. It, it actually did. worked very well. It better than the slingshot. Much better than the slingshot. See, if we had known that like, what, 15 years ago, that you was a cast master there, we could have saved a lot of yeah, time. That's funny. I actually did win the first place. We lived in Virginia in junior high school, and we went to Jamestown for a field day, and they set up a thing you're supposed to cast to a target, and I, I nailed it every time. And Anyway, wow. I got first place on that. I must still have it. Mm-hmm. Nice. I, I couldn't help but notice that your son Thomas was nowhere to be found. No, yeah. he, he had his helmet, and he ran. If you noticed... <laughs> I managed to stay behind him during all these uh, slingshot and and um, rod episodes as well. I noticed. Yep. This is, that's not a bad move for you. Not a bad move. Well. It was pretty fun, though. Yeah. Here, 
is my field day setup that I operated with this year. I'm using the same rig that I've used for several years, uh, the ICOM IC7000. I like these rigs so much, I got two of them. They're great to do everything I need to do. Uh, all bands, all modes. Doesn't have D-Star, but uh, uh, no biggie, because I only use them for HF. The only thing it doesn't have that I really would like to have is a spectrum scope. Uh, they weren't putting them in radios when this was designed, so in addition to the radio, I'm using an SDR Play RSP Duo right here, little SDR receiver that I've had for a number of years. Those things are really neat, and I'm running the SDR Uno software. You can see we're looking at 20 meters, and the band is hopping. If I was just looking at the radio alone, I wouldn't know the band was hopping without spinning the knob. So here I can see signals and decide, uh, you know, what I might uh, might want to try there. You can see where the activity is so you don't waste any time moving around. Just find one, click on it, use the mouse wheel to adjust it, and boy, it's crowded today. These two are connected with a serial port adapter so that whenever I change the frequency on the radio or on the computer here, they track each other. I'm using the MFJ1708B SDR transceiver switch. This really works great. I've got one cable that goes to the transceiver, one that goes to the antenna, and then one that goes to my SDR. There's a control cable that's coming from the control port on the radio here, so whenever I key up, it mutes the receive line going to the uh, SDR play so it, it doesn't blow it up, which is a good thing in my book. For the power, I'm running off Tommy's big battery down here. Don't have the cover off of it. I think, what is this, a 50-amp battery uh, LiPo that he built? I don't know how long ago he built it. Uh, several, over a year ago, it was in um, one or two of the Amateur Logic episodes. You can get more details on that. It's pretty economical. I got to say, I have, I really haven't drained that battery to 50% yet. And I've been going for um, not 24 hours yet, but uh, a good length of time with it. It's held in there great. Uh, I've got uh, another little uh, MFJ4230 DMP power supply. That's just running my little SDR switch. That's all it's for. I could run it off the other battery, but it just wasn't convenient. I am running the transceiver, though, off of the battery down here so that you know, I, I can use that multiplier with our uh, contacts. I have another laptop over here. This one I got in the last year, and I really wasn't even going to use it because I had all the software installed on this one, uh, which is a few years older. But we're using the N1MM logging software. I already had it on here, so I just updated it to the latest version. Now, I have this little switch right here, and you've seen this before. This is um, a curiously strong receive audio switch. It's nothing more than a double pole, double throw uh, toggle switch. Uh, it's got a, a female plug on top of it, a mini plug to go to a set of headphones. 
And then it's got too many plugs. One plugs into the radio, the other plugs into the computer, and I can switch back and forth as to whether I want to listen to the receiver and the radio or listen to the uh, RSP Duo with SDR Uno. I got to say, experience this time around, I normally am listening to the radio, and it's hearing signals good. Every now and then, though, I can switch over to here, and the DSP between these two receivers is different. Sometimes things sound better on the software-defined radio. Sometimes they sound better over here. They're always louder over here. But um, it's been helpful when the signal has got some peculiar interference or something that's just not sounding where I can can copy the letters out. I listen over here, and sometimes it's an improvement. I can grab it there. So the two have worked great together. Uh, now, that's just the, the basic stuff I operate with. A couple of other things that uh, I've got going here, particularly this one, and you've seen this box before if you've watched the show. This is my IC7000 voice keyer. It was originally something else, so it's got a row of six buttons on it. I'm only using the first four. Those are tied to the voice keyer on the IC7000. That's through the microphone jack. I've got a cable that comes out the back of this and plugs into the microphone jack right here. Uh, There's also a female socket, so if I want to use a hand mic, I plug it in there, and everything's like normal. But... You build a resistor network in here between these buttons, and that goes through the mic cable and triggers a radio to play one of four voice memories. So I've got in here uh, several different voice memories. And if someone answers, then I can give them this. That has saved my voice quite a bit for calling CQ on a frequency to run it. I also have a push-to-talk button on here so I can key the radio by pushing that. And, yes, there's a microphone sitting here, and I do have the monitor turned on, so you heard the squeal right there. Uh, But that's been most of my operating uh, is in addition with this box. But there's some jacks on the side here. Years ago... When I built this, I put a XLR connector on here where I could hook a dynamic mic into it. Uh, like, like this dynamic mic right here. Unfortunately, it doesn't sound real good with this rig, so I, I really haven't used that. It sounds good, but it's um, the EQ is not really tailored uh, right with this radio. Uh, I've also got a quarter-inch jack here for a push-to-talk. I would probably plug in a foot switch on that so I could do hands-free push to talk. I wouldn't have to reach up here to hit the button if I'm using an external mic. And new this year, I've added another uh, little mini plug here so that I can plug in a headset. Now this one, I guess I need to do a segment on it. There's a couple of components. There's a resistor on one pin in here, a capacitor on another because the headset mic, and this is a gaming headset, it requires phantom power, and that's no problem. The radio supplies phantom power. 
You just need to send it in the right pins. And for that, this was a last-minute edition, so I didn't have time to rush out and buy me a, a Howl Pro set, set of headphones. So I just went up to Best Buy, and I got a set of HyperX Alpha headphones. Or maybe I got that backwards. Anyway, they're gaming headsets. They sound pretty good. They've got a condenser mic on a boom. Uh, so you can put that right right at your mouth. Put these things on. They do a good job of blocking out outside sound. Uh, I specifically bought these because they're a wired microphone set. I can't use USB with this rig. It doesn't have it, and it doesn't have Bluetooth. So I had to have a wired pair, and that's what I've got. So I'll put these on, put the uh, element right up in my mouth, and i got a Vox button here. So I can put it on Vox. I can sit here, hit the CQ button to call for stations. If someone answers, I can just start talking because it's on Vox. And then I can have my hands free to type in their information right here. So it's been a lot better. I don't have to push this. I don't have to push a hand mic. I can just use the headsets here and the Goatone microphone and Vox. And I think that allowed me to work a lot more context this morning. Um, just much simpler and quicker to operate like that. So basically that's it. The new station is the old station with a couple of additions to it. I think you invented diversity audio there, George. Oh, really? You could switch between the uh, the radio and the SDR. Well, <laughs> but... It was, you had to do it, it was manual diversity. You know? Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, worked out good. There is one thing we wanted to show a moment ago. I used the off-center fed dipole uh, a good bit this time around. We swapped up antennas some, but this is one I, I use the most. There is a messenger rope or string. It's some of that, it, that's not parachute cord, but it's some of that cord that you buy at the ham fest. Military cord. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. want to parachute with that stuff. It's no, pretty thin. It's pretty <laughs> it's thin. strong. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it stretched, what, probably 130, 40 feet uh-huh. between trees, and it supported that heavy 4 to 1 legal limit ballon. And 135 feet of uh, lamp wire. Yeah, I think it was 18-gauge zip cord. So I didn't have good feeling that raising it was going to be good uh, without having some way to support the ballon. That worked good. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Is uh, that what we talked on? Yes. Nice. Yeah. By d- hanging the ballon that way, and you can see there's a little slack on the actual dipole itself. That worked out good. Otherwise, I would have probably come back with, I don't know, maybe a 70-meter dipole or something by the time it stretched. Which which way, <laughs> which way is that oriented? Like where the lobe's coming off north-south? Uh, the end in the middle there is pointed south. Yeah, okay. because the shadow of the tree's going to yeah. the left. And that was oh, in you, the you had a great... What were we, we were on 80 meters, right? You had a great yeah. signal down here. Yeah, and that was... Um, so that that's was the, the long end of the OCF, pointed <clears throat> south. So, yeah, you, you sounded great here as well. Anyway, it's the first time I've hung a dipole that way, and otherwise probably wouldn't have worked. Probably would have broke the zip cord. 
And uh, for those of you that are playing Emil's drone footage drinking game, <laughs> I saw that, that there's only going to be one more drink, so you, you'll still be able to drive home fine time the show's over. Yep. You're going to have to gulp it. <laughs> yeah, you better make guzzle. the next one a big one. Yeah, you're going to make it count. <laughs> so uh, we're going to take a quick break, get a message from ICOM. we got a lot more to go. From base stations to portable models, ICOM has the best radio for working your favorite bands this summer. Whether outside enjoying sunny skies or inside by the AC, stay cool with ICOM. Explore the world of microwave with ICOM's new SHF Portable, the IC905. This all-mode rig covers 2 meters, 70 centimeters, 1.2 gigahertz, 2.4 gigahertz, 5.6 gigahertz, and with an optional CXG10 transverter, 10 gigahertz. This transceiver also has a few industry firsts up its belt. It's the first to support the five major global bands from VHF to SHF. The first power over Ethernet powered RF module designed to be at the base of the antenna to eliminate signal loss and the first to be compatible with amateur TV in analog FM mode. Other features include large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display, easy digital mode settings, supplied high-performance GPS antenna, full D-Star functions for DV and DD mode, and an SD card slot. Aim higher and enter the world of SHF. The ICOM IC7300 is a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. This is the radio that changed the way entry-level HF is designed. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. The real HF fun starts here. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This radio brings direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. The IC9700 is an all-mode transceiver loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy. Expect top performance on field day with ICOM's IC9700. The IC7610 is the SDR every ham watts. This high-performance SDR can pick out faint signals in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The ICOM 7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that's changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR independent dual receiver and dual digicell. For more information about all the great ICOM radios, visit icomamerica.com amateur. Well, you know, it is field day season here, and it's also Friedrichshafen. And I, I'm probably not saying that right. But it's that season, too. But there is a one more season that you probably, guys, probably didn't even know because hunting this time of year is not, you know, you think it's not really hunting season. However, zucchini season is open now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's probably what they're good for, too, is shooting them. I yeah. I can't eat that stuff, man. Where'd you get that longer shotgun from, Tommy? 
<laughs> That's not <laughs> me. Looks, <laughs> Although it, it like does kind of look similar. Yeah. I don't own any camouflage anymore. Uh, Mark Malone sent that to me in an email. Yeah. Yeah. Does look a lot like yeah, you. He got nice he got a nice yeah. uh nice skill there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all ain't right, man. <laughs> you, you, know, you don't you, can't, you don't own any camouflage, Tommy, or or you can't find them. Now, actually, I got some back from when I used to hunt it, but that's all. I don't have any like I just wear. He, he needs to strap those on the hood of his truck and drive around town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's email. Cool. That's the big zucchinis too. I don't know. It's not an email. What is it you have tonight for us? Actually, actually, it is an email to email All right. from our uh, from <laughs> what, a viewer, Bill, over in uh, Circleville, Ohio, W8LV. Sent us his uh, cheap uh, old mobile setup that he put up in his uh, car. And what I found was most impressive about this setup here was his official cup holder. With his uh, spectrally clean radio, he claims, um, that he had checked by the ARRL. But, uh, you know, that cup holder speaks volumes to me as far as the radio goes um, and the setup. So uh, he holds quite a bit of license, Grohl, and uh, radar operators and several other things. But uh, this is his cheap old man compliant mobile setup. Well, now, does that make that, uh, that writing for waterproof? I don't think so. I'm hoping there's nothing in that cup. Okay. Well, maybe maybe he, if there is something in the cup, it might do it some good. <laughs> <laughs> True. I, I don't know about volume, but it can't hold more than 14 ounces by the looks of it. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks, Bill. I didn't actually work field day this year. I had all intentions of doing it. The antenna arrived actually just a couple of days prior to the Saturday where field day was on. Um, but, um, I don't know. I just didn't have the time. So anyway, I needed to get that antenna set up and uh, tested out, but there's a couple of things and we'll talk about it in the video that I wasn't too happy with. JPC 12, a portable 40 to six meter vertical with improved radials. While the annual ARRL field day may be thought of as a contest, the main objective is emergency preparedness. We practice by setting up antennas and our radio equipment in areas typically where installations aren't. While I didn't participate this year, I did purchase this take-apart portable vertical antenna just before field day. It's a JPC-12. You can find this antenna available from several different online resellers. One of the more popular online resellers is Chelligence, based out of China. I had stopped at their booth this year at Hamvention as I had the JPC-12 on my shopping list, but sadly they didn't have any for sale. I later discovered that DX Engineering carries the JPC-12 and is in their catalog. The JPC-12 is a 40 to 6 meter, 100 watt portable vertical antenna. It comes complete, requires no guy supports, and packs up in this really nice 14.5 by 9 inch nylon zippered case and weighs just 3.8 pounds. The assembled height is 13 feet. The kit contains everything you need except for the feed line to your transceiver. 
The antenna accepts a 50 ohm unbalanced coaxial cable with a PL259 connector. The quality of this portable antenna is very good. The components appear to be well made and sturdy, made from stainless steel and aluminum. The only negative comment that I have for the JPC-12 are the supplied counterpoise radials. These are made up from a length of ribbon cable that you are supposed to separate into three or more segments. Okay, I have to complain about the port instruction manual too, but we'll save that one for another time. One of the other issues that I had with the supplied counterpoise cable is that the vinyl insulation has a terrible memory effect, meaning it likes to retain the shape that it is stored in. I decided to improve on that by constructing my own. To solve this issue, I ordered a spool of number 20 gauge, silicone covered stranded copper wire. Its high strand count and silicone insulation makes it very flexible. Ideally, counterpoises should be approximately one quarter wavelength of the operating frequency, but the rule of thumb is the longer the better. But wait just a darn minute, Jim. The more ground radials, the better, so bearing this in mind, I will be dividing my 250-foot spool of wire into eight 31.25-foot lengths. To help these stay tethered, I found these aluminum pegs at the dollar store. But before the cheap old man gets too excited, I think we need to mention that a package of four pegs costs $3. I was concerned about those radials becoming a trip hazard after they get staked down, so 3D printer to the rescue. I made these clips which I designed so that they would detach with the slightest force if someone should accidentally trip over them. Also I chose a high visibility orange color for the wire so that it will contrast well with the ground. For the attachments, one end of each will loop through the clip. You can either knot the ends, or I finish the clip ends, by covering the end with heat shrink tubing. Use heat shrink tubing with the glue, or put a dab of crazy glue to keep the wires from slipping out of the clips. Note, this end need not make contact with the aluminum peg, as it is simply used to keep the wire from blowing around in the wind. took four of the wires at the other end, stripped them, crimped, and soldered to a 3 8 inch stud ring terminal connector. I did the same thing for the other four wires, and I also applied heat shrink tubing for a more secure connection to the ring terminals. Note, the ring terminal slips over the ground spike base of the JPC-12. We do want to ensure good electrical contact between our counterpoise wires, ring terminal, and the antenna spike base. Okay, let's deploy the antenna. Following the steps in the manual, we thread the various sections together. You may want to print out this slide for reference. Mike V3MIC here. I'm going to try to uh, get a video of this new antenna I picked up for field day. We're going to set up my JPC-12 portable HF antenna, a vertical. It covers 40 meters to six meters and we're going to set it up and see how that goes and I'll also have my uh, my modified ground radial system we're going to see how that works out okay you can see the uh, the orange ground radials that I uh, prepared and the aluminum tent pegs we're going to assemble the antenna and uh, set up the ground radials but first I'll stop and uh, show you how that all looks put together. Okay, I've 
pounded the ground spike in. You can see it there on the top right corner there with just the threaded part sticking out. Uh, of course the orange wires are my three sets of ground radials. Um, two of them are actually three ground radials and the third one is actually just two for a total of eight. So basically the ground radials are on a 3 8 inch uh, stud ring terminal. And you just slip the ring terminals over top of that top ground spike stud. And now we're going to assemble the rest of the antenna. Okay, I don't know if you can see that. Basically, that's the base or the feed point of the antenna. See, there's a little protective cap over that SO239. It just threads directly onto that base spike mount. Okay, it's all assembled, except for uh, laying out those ground radials. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, in the center there, you can see the, uh, the loading coil. And on uh, this particular setting, uh, that's the slide tuning, and you can see those two little red or reddish lines there and it's currently set for 20 meters uh, if I swing it all the way down to the bottom uh, that's the setting for 40 meter band and we'll look all the way up there's a boat oh, it goes quite a ways 13 feet I believe um, and so let's get the ground radio set up Okay, I'm not sure how well this is going to turn out. It's kind of an overcast day. In fact, it's been trying to rain. It, it just downpoured earlier in the day here, so surprise I'm not walking around in puddles. But fortunate for me, uh, it seems to be relatively dry as a bonus. I didn't really need to use that mallet to, peg, to pound the pegs in uh, because the ground's so soft right now, they just push right in. Here's all the eight radials, and they're all staked out into various directions and anchored with a peg. I'll follow one here and show you up close what it looks like. Just uh, that aluminum 10 peg and my little 3D printed clip. Doesn't take much force to let it go, uh, which is what it's exactly supposed to do should set should anybody trip over them it'll just release uh, hopefully not destroying the, the wire and it just let's see if i can get that in focus here just clips right on and uh that's basically it i think it's going to work or perform a lot better with uh, with those radials and having those little clips and pegs keep some anchored to the ground stops them from blowing around in the wind it is kind of breezy today um, the grass is kind of long so it'll uh, keep the, the wires in place without the pegs but um, it's a pretty nifty setup I think and if it wasn't raining or trying to rain, I'd pull the radio out and see if we could get any contacts. But I 
think that's going to be it for now. So, anyway, that's the JPC 12. And again, it cut, it's a center load quarter wave. And the upper part is a stainless steel telescoping whip. And the bottom thicker black parts you see there are just screwed together. Um, I guess you could call it part of the antenna, uh, but I like to refer to them as a mast. Um, there's the base with the SO239 uh, that you attach your 50 ohm feed line to or coax. And um, that's about it for now. Should be interesting to try this out. I think it's going to perform just, just fine. And it takes nothing to set up. I, I'm going to say the total time it took me to set up the ground the ground radials, eh, I'd say 20 minutes. And, and part of that, I'd say half that time was unwinding them and <laughs> laying them out. Uh, once you get them unwound and laid out, it's, a, it's just really a snap to, literally, no pun intended, to uh, connect them to the, uh, the tent pegs. Anyway, that's it for now. That's the, uh, turn sideways here, JPC-12. Have you operated on it yet? I have not. Actually, that was the oh. first time setting the, the antenna up. Um, it's, it's been sitting in this little, this little case for, for weeks now, and I haven't really used it. But, do, you, uh, do you hook an, 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 excuse me, antenna analyzer up to it or anything when it was up? I have I have not even uh, swept it to see uh, what the resonance points are. Um, I'm not too too worried about it because my little uh, X6100, which is probably going to be used the most with that antenna, it'll handle 100 watts. So any of the radios that I have, uh, it'll handle that that amount of power. But um, the uh, little X6100 has a built-in antenna tuner, so not too too worried about it. According to the spec sheet. And I guess now's a good time as any. Uh, I, I made me, a, a negative. Go ahead, George. Yeah, let me ask a question before you go all negative on us. <laughs> uh, that that counterpoise, ribbon cable counterpoise, well, I, mean, I didn't catch that part. Yes. I mean, do you just stretch it out as one piece and that's it, or are you supposed to split them apart? Well, according to... According to the instructions, you tear them apart, and um, they they say three is probably all you need. It's a, it's a ten conductor ribbon cable, so I, I guess you can do you know uh, pairs of of uh, well, you could do uh, th three three and three and have one left over, um, but. Like I said, the, um, the the thing about the vinyl insulation on ribbon cable, yeah, it uh, doesn't straighten out very easily uh, unless you lay it out in the hot sun. So I um, I just thought they could have done a better job there. But uh, anyway, it's it is what it is, and um, it wasn't wasn't really that expensive to make up that uh, better ground radial system. On to my rant about the... Um, and this goes for a lot of the uh, Chinese manufacturers. It's like they make a good product, 
But where they always seem to come up short is on the instructions. And, I mean, I, I saw that word shrapnel in big red letters. <laughs> and, I, and I ducked because it sounded dangerous. Um, but I don't know for the life of me why they can't take the extra time and, and just do a better job at, at translation for the instructions. Um, if you refer back to that, if you look at that video again, um, the part of the video I said you might want to print this slide out. What I've done is I've kind of did my own translation of of what what those instructions are actually trying to say. They they literally talk in circles. It says seven megahertz in four circles. Well, four circles means uh, four four turns on the coil. Oh. <laughs> so, so there's stuff like that um, on the side close to the rob antenna. Pull rob or rod extracts about 20 centimeters. That's okay. Um, but, you know, there's other things that leave you questioning what the heck are they actually saying. So anyway, I wish they would do a better job at, uh, at the inst- on the instructions on the documentation. It would save a lot of frustration and probably improve on their uh, on their sales as well. That reminds me of the old uh, Sony manual I had. I went to a video uh, tape recorder school when I was working in television, and they gave us a manual and a tweaker and this I don't know seemed like it was two or three days long, and we went through all the procedures on how to work on this particular videotape machine. The instruction manual in there says, use a frat braid screwdriver to adjust, you know, a certain adjustment in there using not so much pressure. Right. Yeah, I understand. Some things get lost in translation, but uh, it doesn't look like much of an effort was put into the the translation of this. four-page instruction sheet that came with the product. Maybe that it's, was it, a shrapnel contact. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> if if but, you use uh, more than 100 watts, there'll be shrapnel. Yes, there will be. <laughs> well, it'd be interesting to hear how it actually performs when you get to use it. I bet it works. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it works. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, the antenna itself looks to be really, really good quality, Uh the uh, the aluminum sections are all very good quality. Uh, the machining on the on the end pieces there with the threaded inserts are a good quality. Um, the uh, telescoping whip, um, although you have to be careful with any type of telescoping whip, uh, not to put a kink in it when yep. you're uh, collapsing it. Um, and don't and don't do like me and drop it when you're trying to take it down. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to drop them, when, yeah. especially when they're extended. Um, but uh, other than that, um, it's all all very good quality. Um, so the only, like I said, the only shortcoming is the they could have did a better job with the, uh, the ground uh, counterpoise radials and uh, the instructions. So that all, all being said is, is, is pretty minimal complaining about it. Gentlemen, raise your glasses if you're participating in the game because we have some more gratuitous drone, drone footage. Drone footage. <laughs> the end the last of it. Here, This is uh, just kind of doing a little flyby 
to uh, show the uh, the site where we're set up. We've got plenty of room out there for antennas. And uh, be sure to watch for the power line there. Coming well, up. that's that's a uh, a 60-cycle phased array, single-phase array. That's what that is. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you don't want to fly into it, and you don't want to put your antenna up against it either. <laughs> so Anyway, then we're going to take a little close-up tour of the uh, off-center fed here. Bird's eye view. So anyway, I thought it was kind of interesting to see the whole thing from up there. So, did you have any footage of the bird attack? No, a bird. I did fly by one time. I went across it. A bird was on the uh, sitting on the wire, mm-hmm. and he got out. He, I guess, the drone scared him, and he jumped off of it. And the wire came up and slapped my drone, but it didn't hurt it. Yeah, this is the vertical we had set up. Uh, you might recognize on a tripod. It. Yeah, but uh, oh, yeah. I don't think you said you didn't use it at all, right? No, I t- I tried it on twenty meters, and then I switched over to another twenty meter antenna, and it was so much better I didn't go back to it. Then here's the cobweb. I stayed on the cobweb most of the time. I think we swapped up a little bit. We did a little bit, uh, but but I used it primarily. I, I really like that thing. It, it works very well. Mm-hmm. For being no bigger than it is, it uh, really performs good. Well, it'll be about a foot shorter next year. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's all. So I hope you could took a good drink that time because that's the end of the... By all that footage, everything's green and lush, and you must have been receiving a lot of rain up there or down there rather, too. Oh, yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. But it's been green for months, though. Everything has. Yeah. Real green, but the grass is growing exceptionally fast right now because of all the rain we've been getting. Mm-hmm. I had uh, I got two bells off the front yard this week. I don't I don't doubt that. Yeah. I'll get some tomorrow when I get out after mine. Tommy, what are you running this year? As if anybody couldn't guess. Well, I'm I'm running the usual. I've got my 705. Actually, right now I'm running digital mode. I'm using the uh, off center fed that you made with the lamp. It's actually working pretty well, for the most part. Um, like I got my AH705 tuner here in line, and we're using the filters that we we've shown before. Mostly the same system I had last year. I'm running FT8 right now. I wasn't going to do it, but uh, yesterday you kept mentioning it, so I decided to go ahead and give it a try. So I got the updates and got it all set up for field day. It's uh Kind of like shooting fish in the barrel, but uh, I mean it's working. You get double points for it apparently. I forgot to mention earlier when I was talking about the hardware. I'm I am using my Blue Eddy uh, power bank that I bought. I did the uh, segment on last month. It's at seventy-two percent, and I've been using it pretty well, I guess, ever since we got here. Yeah. And so it's going to hold up for the entire field day with this little radio and everything, anyway. So working out pretty well and i haven't noticed any noise coming from it uh, any kind of uh trash in the receive on the radio for my audio i've been actually using i i kind of forgot i had this thing this is the little icom uh vs3 bluetooth module i got it for my 5100 so i could use it hands-free when i was driving well mostly hands-free still takes one finger but uh it also pairs well with my 705 so I decided to give it a try this year, and it's actually worked out pretty good. I just pinned it to my shirt, put the earbuds in, 
Tap to push to talk there. When I'm ready to talk, I can get around work uh, contacts from across the room. So I'll have to come over here and uh, put them in the N1MM logger software that we're using. And uh, I got mixed feelings about that one. It seems to be work pretty good, but uh, the setup's a little kind of weird on it to me. But uh, works out pretty well. It's kind of nice because everybody's got their own copy of the data, so they sync. But if I when I go home later, I can load it up and see everything too, just like you. So there's not one just one copy of the data. We uh, obviously in some new digs this time which has been really nice. I think I've had the first field day shower. Actually, I know this is the first field day shower I've actually ever had. And I'm trying to catch up, so I took two, just uh, just for good measure, because I can. So, I don't know. So the small things that you really learn to appreciate. How has that helped your score? It's actually helped my score pretty well, apparently, because we got more points than we've ever had this year. Well, uh, best I remember, I think this is more. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think it probably helps some. I, I've worked a good many this morning, early in the morning, so um, that's unlike me. Well, early in the morning is unlike you. Our score this year, 718. Yeah, that's pretty good for us. For too. That's, that's probably a little bit better. Uh, embarrassing compared to some of those other oh, teams, yeah. but but for us, the two guys, and we were so late getting finished getting the antennas up. Yeah, uh, that's not bad. I'll take that. Yeah, and that's not 718 contacts. That's 718 points. Points <laughs> with the multipliers and everything. That sounds better. Yeah. Uh, actual contacts. Yeah. Should we reveal that information? I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I had a good time. That's all that really counts. That's right. That's right. Literally, it's not we, a contest. Digital we, digital contacts are uh, two two times multiplier, aren't they? Yeah. We had a hundred and thirty four phone and twenty five digital. So, yeah, if you hadn't had that twenty five digital, you know, we, yeah. we would have. Yeah, that's not a lot of contacts, but like I said, we were pretty late getting started. For us, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're always late getting started. So yeah, we had trouble with the uh, getting the antenna of the first one yeah. over the tree with the next slingshot. year though. You only saw two <laughs> of the uh, slingshot attempts, but there were at least two or three more. Oh, that, at that least weren't, that weren't yeah. captured on camera. We're about to run out of lead. <laughs> yeah, we lost one fishing weight up there. Oh, and also, also I was going to mention my battery, uh, my Blue Eddy little solar mm -hmm. or little power bank thing. It worked out pretty well. I didn't hear have any trash on my radio from it. I didn't know if it was going to cause a problem because it's got that uh, inductive charging pad on the top where you can sit your cell phone on yeah. and the DC's on it, but I didn't notice any problems whatsoever. With I didn't it. either. So and, it worked out okay, and it, it worked the whole time. I, I still had... Uh, Almost half of the capacity of it left when I finished. Your other battery worked out well too. Yeah, I don't yeah, know how much capacity you had left I on had it. I had about forty percent left on it when, All right. I, when I got home. So I sucked out sixty percent of the power, and that you know, that seven thousand runs hot. Yeah, and you, it generates a lot of heat. You use it a lot. I'm pretty happy with that battery. I honestly yeah. didn't think it would last through a whole field day when I made it. 
I was kind of concerned about that, but uh, it lasted through the whole thing with a hundred watt rig. So Mills hundred amp yeah. one probably lasted great too. Yep, it did not stop both days. And as a matter of fact, it's uh, and I was running mainly eighty watts the whole time on that station. So yeah. Tommy, I believe you have an email for. Is this an actual email? It's a it's a real email. It's not an email. It's an email. Oh. Okay. We got an email. We got an actual email here too, but that's not. He's not on paper here. So it's what's like Christmas in July, kind of. Yep, it is actually. We had a little sneak peek of that earlier. It <laughs> says uh, this is from my friend Dave KB1YGP. It says, believe it or not, I was catching up on some old. Some very old issues of Amateur Logic TV today. I was watching episode 163, the Christmas 2021 episode. I noticed you were sampling the Canadian meat pie from Dakin Farm in Vermont. I live in Vermont, about 20 miles away from their store. They're a local business that does all their production and shipping out of Ferrisburg, Vermont. Dakin Farms is a great local business. It's grown over the years. As you notice in their catalog, they have a lot of great products, including Vermont's own Cabot cheese, uh, locally Cobb smoked bacon, which I've never heard of that, uh, ham, and many other items such as Canadian meat pies, barbecue ribs, and others. It's making me hungry. I watch all your shows, or at least I'm attempting to watch all of them, and uh, good luck with that, and I always find it enjoyable and educational. If you ever travel to the northern border of Vermont, be sure to stop and see some of the local sugar makers. Don't miss stopping in at the Dakin Farm store in Ferrisburg, Dave. Yeah, and appreciate that, Dave, and uh, the email. He, I also had some other conversation with him. He said to holler at him sometime if I was up in that area. I, I want to get up there one year for the fall color. Yeah. So, Speaking I, of Canadian, do you know what day it is? Is it Canada Day? Almost. Um, it's what got me through college. Take a guess. Uh, student now, Debt who, Reduction Act. Who said, who said beer? No, it's beer not beer, although you'd think it being a Canadian, it would be beer. Hey. It's Nash. Whoops. Invisible Chip Day. <laughs> it's, it's National Macaroni and Cheese Day. Okay. And the reason why I brought that up is apparently, although we don't have too many records, but apparently, according to the source I read, Canada is the top country for consumption of macaroni and cheese in the world. Wow. I would not have. I would uh, When I was a young single guy, first getting started, I would have given Canada a run for their money because... At the time, that stuff was like four boxes for a dollar, and that's about all I could afford. I had it in my cabinet, man, fix a box of mac and cheese. So it goes good with beer, is that? Well, I don't know. Well, the other yeah, thing... it's fine with beer, trust me, because at that time, <laughs> I would buy a case of beer and eight boxes of mac and cheese, and that was pretty much my grocery shopping for the week. Some people like it with uh, ketchup on it. Um, I don't. I think it ruins it. But um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it got me through college. <laughs> I'll say that much. We got one more little piece of video from W5AXC this year. And that, in case you're wondering, that's the Southern Amateur Radio Experimenters Club, which Tommy and I 
Wayne, uh, Jeff, W5PPB, email, and Mike from South Canada. South Canada. So you qualified, Mike, South Canada. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Anyway, that's W5AXC. We did actually get on the air and make contacts. I have actual real proof here. Yeah. Whiskey 5 Alpha at Troy Charlie. Whiskey 5 Alpha X-Ray Charlie. QSL, uh, please copy 2 Alpha Mississippi. QSL. Guy sounds just like Emil, but he's not. Was he squeaking? Was he squeaking? Like cheeks? (laughs) No. North Carolina. Yeah, I've been hearing some of those. Whiskey 5 Alpha X-Ray Charlie. A lot of whiskey. Whiskey 5 Alpha X-Ray Charlie. Whiskey 5, Alpha X-Ray Charlie. QSL? Uh, QSL, uh, 2 Alpha, Mike Sierra, 2 Alpha, Mississippi. QSL? Philadelphia. And like I said, we were at a bar. Yeah, we were. Uh, What's up next? Email. You have some evidence that you operated field day this year as well. I do have some evidence. And you want to roll them? So as the sign says here, the Ozone Amateur Radio Emergency Communications Center since 1964, or Whiskey 5 Sierra Lima Alpha operated this year. We had uh, quite a few stations gonna... out there in the field. Um, Glenn... And I and many hams, um, I see Matt there, and uh, we are all building our stations in the early morning, usually start around 9 a.m., put up some of the tents, unload the uh, vehicles, and shooting antennas all over the place, just like you guys were doing. So who's operating on that tower in the background? (laughs) The the police. That's the local police. We we did not use that tower. (laughs) Okay. Who who did the fishing pole? Who ca- who casted the line over? Well, we we had the uh, you can see it laying under on the ground there below uh, Matt's feet oh, towards the right. Yeah. yeah, the uh, the original cheap old man gun still still working. Nice cheap old it, son of a looks gun. like a looks like a poor knockoff of the uh, Tommy gun. Yeah, like like Jimmy used to say, PVC's a ham's best friend. Yep, <laughs> it's still kicking, man. There's the uh, setup with uh, all the hand bands, the battery there, Tommy, which lasted literally for two days. That, that thing's a trooper. And I had some MyCom MERS stations, uh, MERS walkie-talkies that we were talking back and forth with each other, as well as a broadcast receiver and a shortwave receiver. And a GMRS, rep- uh, our club operates a GMRS repeater on a water tower. So that was that little 
radio handy talkie to the right. So we had all bands going, man. And uh, this is Matt's station here, total with uh, Solar and his own fan. Uh, we we learned quite a thing, a uh, few things from Matt as far as safety goes with the cones he has set out and the uh, ribbons he puts on some of the ropes because uh, we had quite a tangled mess of some ropes everywhere. So Matt always uh, has some pretty good ideas and we all learn from him. And that's why we do this together. So, was he the safety officer? No, no, actually Glenn was the safety officer, but uh, he, he definitely took care of his uh, station and taught us a few things. And there's some uh, station set up under the tree over there. I think that was another um, uh, station where Nick and Mike uh, picked a good spot, <laughs> a shady spot <laughs> under the tree. And uh, he had quite a few pretty nice pieces of equipment and also some good ideas that I learned from. I think I'm going to be buying some of the equipment that I saw him had. He had a set of Heil headphones. And this is the educational. So after we're finished setting up, you know, we don't we have about an hour usually before we start operating. And this is the um, the educational activity. Speaking of points, George. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this you can the, bet that there's the, going to be a pillar on that ball cap when I get through with it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Mike. Prime, prime material. Uh, so Glenn and I uh, held the presentation here. And Glenn is, you can see by that back exit door to the right, uh, filming this. We actually do have video of the presentation. And there's two presentations. So I'll probably put that out somewhere but we didn't have time plus i was the slacker of the month this month so i didn't want to fill it up but quite a good showing here uh, uh right after this we also had a little bit of a um potluck so after that we went out to the field and started operating and there was quite a few new hams who had never operated hf so under our supervision and control operator we allowed people to uh, operate um, and I can tell you right now that this person here sitting next to me is absolutely hooked on HF. I don't know if you've ever experienced somebody hearing that and getting hooked for the first time, but he is totally hooked now. Yeah, first time I heard sideband, I'm thinking, why would anybody want to operate on HF? Well, yeah, <laughs> I got over that. Yep. And uh, I, one of the training items, speaking of the uh, N1MM in the blah, logger there, Tommy, we, we basically told some of the people how we wanted the logs to be handed to us. You know, there's, we, we used paper most of the time because of, uh, you know, just doing it manual, teaching them how to do it. And that I find that works out good, especially for the new hands coming in. And then the next year, inevitably, like Nick and Mike under that tree, they all have their own automated setup, so it's kind of a progression. So we take care of the new hams on paper when they come in and teach them how to log. I want to know how you got that TV to levitate like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's special. It's, it's magnetic. <laughs> and there's just a view of the uh, station there. Um, the tuner actually goes out in the field under the antenna, but I think we were taking some pictures here. Uh, and this was uh, teaching – so the club also operates a Digipeter, uh, AX.25, packet radio still. It's up at 630 feet, and there's quite a few services from Baton Rouge all the way to the Gulf Coast in Mississippi that can hit this thing. So – and you know we relay uh, quite a few things along the coast 
and there's services out there like Winlink, Gateways, BBSs, uh, all, all the 80s, <laughs> the 80s uh, mailboxes, BBSs uh, at 1200 bar and pack it. So we were showing some people how we do that. Uh, there's a FT897D and a Kimwood right there that we had hooked up in the back room. Yeah, I've actually heard that digipeter from here before. Yep. You know, oh, yeah. At night. It's got yeah. some range. Yep. And more, more of the same here. We're just showing uh, Larry there, KG5EXB from uh, St. Bernard Parish, how to uh, log into the local bulletin board services and leave messages. No teeth marks on your bill of your cap. No teeth marks on that one yet. The guy to my uh, right, he, he was the one that was hooked. He When we came inside out of the heat for a bit, um, he was on that Icon Pro 3 on the end that we use on our beam, the club's beam. And 20 meters was pretty hopping on that beam, man. Once He is so hooked on HF from this event. I, I, he never stopped, and he filled up an entire page by himself. Wow. <laughs> He's me so, about 30 years ago when I was yeah. working at field day. I wasn't licensed at the time. I worked the whole 24 hours field day, and I think I slept for 14 hours after that. Yep. Yeah, wow. man. Uh, I can. You can always tell when there's there's that one new person who gets hooked on HF during these field days, and that's what we like to see. And help them out. We've never had that happen, have we? What's that? Had a new person at field day. No. So it's been old people at our field days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, it looks like y'all had a good time down there as well, Emil. Yeah. And shout out to uh, Glenn. For uh, doing the filming and, of course, being the safety officer. And also a uh, shout-out. Those pictures came from uh, Scott, KD5PCK, uh, Scott Hernandez from our club. So thank you, Scott, for capturing the moments. We were in the moment, busy, and I didn't get too many pictures, but Scott hooked us up. Yeah, it looks like you had a really nice setup. Some nice gear there, too. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. That is our field day coverage for 2023. And as I promised earlier... We've got some Hamfest footage from one of the best Hamfest in the world. I'm not sure they call them Hamfest over there. I think they rallies, they think. The rallies in England. I don't know about Germany. What do they call it there? I don't know. Terry's uh, in the chat room. Yeah. Maybe he'll tell us. Our, uh, our, our good friend Terry Bone, 2E0IPK, sent this video over that he shot while he was there this year. And I have not seen it yet, so let's take a look at it. I'm Terry, 2E0IPK. Um, excuse the shirt, it's not the only shirt I own, because that was in another video, but um, I do I do generally wash and uh, you know, wear them again eventually. And this is one of the coolest ones I've got, because today has been extremely hot, very hot over here. And the trains coming to Stuttgart, where I am now, were just horrendously hot. Anyway, I'm uh, not going to dwell on it. Um, I'm going down to Friedrichshafen on Friday to attend the ham radio show on Saturday. So uh, for you, it's instantaneous, but for me, it's a couple of days yet. But uh, anyway, see you there.
Well, there you go, made it. A uh, bit warm and sunny outside, so we're going to go in there as quickly as possible and uh, take a look around. So, see you in there. Okay, Emil, take your headphones off. Cover your ears. Because the price of this little beauty is 13,000 euros. $14,000, I think that works out too, and 12,000 pounds. It's a lot of money. To be honest with you, I think I prefer <laughs> An ICOM 7610 myself, but there you go. Loads of money. That is quality, that. Well, these lights don't uh, do, do the camera much good. ICT10. Nice little radio to put in your bag, that. Very nice little radio. I was quite surprised how small it is. But that is lovely. They fit in my bag lovely when I go out. ARRL get everywhere. They go all over, they travel all over, and that's really good. Good luck to them. They are for, for amateur logic. <laughs> they are amateur logic, there he is. They're always here. <laughs>
Where we get a chance to come to Germany, this is Heidelberg, and uh, look at that view. It's a lovely view. It took a lot to get up here. They've got uh, about three or four funiculars that you have to go up, but uh, you end up with that. What more could you ask for? Look at that. Oh dear. Getting afraid of fights here. I hope you liked it anyway, but I did what I could, you know, I mean, my partner can't walk very well, so I had to look after her, you know, keep stopping and letting her sit down and, and she, you know, getting thirsty. And my number one priority was my partner. It wasn't me. I, you know, videoing is just secondary. I had to make sure she was okay. And I mean, fortunately she was, but uh, it was really hard graft for her really hard graft and i think she did well but uh, there you go anyway catch you all later and i hope you enjoyed what i did get so uh 73 to all thanks terry yeah that was yeah, really thanks, cool yeah thanks terry that was i awesome. mean with all the self-deprecating there that was actually uh, really good thanks for doing yeah, that was. for us oh yeah yeah what yeah, a really view from that mountaintop man y'all doubled oh go ahead emil i was saying what a view from that that mountaintop. I'm sure it was a lot of work getting there, but wow, that had to be worth it. I, just from the pictures, it looked awesome. Yeah. Ger Germany's beautiful. What little bit I've seen of it. I'd like to go back there sometime. Spend some more time. Yeah. But I appreciate you taking the time to do that, Terry. It's really nice to see. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know if I'll ever make it over there, but uh, looks like certainly a good radio show. That's the correct yeah. thing. Yeah, I'm gonna make it one of these days. Got a few more years. I'm gonna retire, then maybe I'll be able to make it. Then. Yeah. Peter and I were supposed to go. Peter made it. I didn't make it. Yeah. It was. It's just a logistical nightmare uh, for me because uh, I think you had to take a couple of planes, a train, a, a, a boat. boat, automobile, and French. I'm not sure what else. <laughs> so. Um, it was just uh, too hairy to, to make sure that you got there for an event that only lasted. And incidentally, I looked it up. It's the 46th International Amateur Radio Exposition. 46th. Yes. Wow. It's an amateur radio exposition. Okay. Uh, what it's called. It looks, it looks nice. It kind of makes me think of Huntsville a little bit. 
Yeah, all indoors like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything's really neat and clean. Which will be coming up in about a month. Yep. Email. Are we going to see you there this year? Uh, Huntsville, I'm planning on it. Okay. Yep, I'm planning on going too. I know that um, Chip is going to be there. Uh, Wayne. Uh, Wayne will probably be there. He usually goes. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised if Vince didn't show up too. Never know. Never know. But I know I'll be there for sure. Unless yeah. something bad happens between now and then, it's my plan to be there. All right. I think we are to the bottom of the list here. Oh, no. I'm at the bottom of the list. I have, it's not an email, but it is a post. You may have heard about this. You may not have it. Just posted it on the ARRL website. This has been going on for a little while, but we're just now hearing about it. The Ag Hoc Group Shortwave Modernization Coalition petitioned the FCC to allow data communications on multiple bands within the HF 2 to 25 megahertz range with up to 20 kilowatts, including N bands immediately adjacent to spectrum allocated to amateur radio. The group appears to represent high-speed stock trading interest. The FCC has assigned it RM-11953. Comments are due by July 31st, 2023. So you need to go um, Get two weeks. look at it and uh, do your reply. Comments uh, are going to be due August the 15th. Uh, while the petitioners exclude the amateur bands, high-power operations on immediately adjacent bands are proposed. So, yeah, you want to look that up. It's uh, RM11953. Go check that out. Wireless power meters all over again. Uh, yeah, except this is going to be stock traders, and I'm sure they have the money <laughs> to probably correctly line the correct Pockets? containers to get this passed. <laughs> <laughs> uh yes uh so yeah uh not i don't know why in the world they need to operate between two and 25 megahertz we're talking about milliseconds that's what what they're saying that, that's why they want to use it because they can do high speed trading milliseconds uh, you know probably faster than they uh, can do i, I don't understand like Radio is still only the speed of light. Yeah. Uh, so are fiber networks. So I'm not sure what the gain is there. And especially with the um, nature of HF propagation being what it is, it's it's not consistent. So I'm surprised that they'd even want to go down that road. Well, um, that's probably why they want 2 to 25 megahertz so they can find uh, ALC. Know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever's best at the time, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not in favor of that. I don't know that it's going to cause us harm, but uh, ALE, yeah, yeah, you know, certainly not going to help us. Yeah, and it's not going to modernize HF by any means, in in my opinion. It's just going to be uh, going to be more people making money off of something. 
It's all about the money, man. Just like the uh, open source uh, hardware projects. All that stuff gets boiled down. Somebody's going to end up making some money off of that. It's all about the money. Yeah. Which I'm okay for making some money, but I mean... Might be some uh, HF jobs opening, huh? Commercial... uh... Yeah, I I don't think there were going to be many stations set up to do this, but you know, it only takes one. Is there anything I read a little bit about it, but I didn't see anything about that goes into any any particulars about what type of range they're looking at um, for coverage. I think they're trying to go from east to west coast, so it's not just going to uh, you know affect the United States here. It's going to affect you all up there too, and you know. Probably most places in this region of the globe. I'm sure they'll use some kind of a raise, but still, you know. Um, talking about HF, so you don't necessarily control exactly where the signal ends up. That's for sure. Hopefully it's clean. Yeah. 20 kilowatts, uh, you know, that. yeah, that could be a problem. But then you think about it. You tune to about the top of any HF band as a shortwave station sitting right there that's probably running a hundred. So I, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be an issue for us or not, but uh, still, I'm not for a shortwave going to the money, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's my rant there, Mike. You had one, so I figured I needed one too. Uh, and with that, I think we have a complete show here, a field day Uh-oh. and Friedrichshofen episode, and Mike's invisible hand tricks there. I don't know what you have <laughs> I, there, I was going to say, and remember, no shrapnel contacts only contact the marked <laughs> coil. Do not contact the adjacent coil. <laughs> but how many circles is that? <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> say. <laughs> okay. Well, before we get out of here, any final thoughts tonight, Tommy? Uh, no thoughts whatsoever. No to thoughts. Turn the air conditioner on. That's, that's all I can think. That's pretty important it's thought, pretty right toasty there. In here. Yeah. The next <laughs> Ham College. I don't know. Uh, maybe the twenty eighth. You allow the twenty eighth. Yeah. Sure. That's when it should be. So, uh, y'all join in there. Uh, join Professor Thomas and Dean Martin. Uh, Dino's just coming back from his European tour, so you'll want to catch the act. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I saw several places with Dean Martin signs in them over there. Really? You should have got one. I should have got took a picture of myself yeah. beside it. There you go, man. You should have. Golden opportunity gone like that. Just like that. Email, any final thoughts down there tonight? So, no, uh, just keep it. Here we go. I'll do it manually. Old school. Yeah. Old school right cheap. there. Yep. Mike, any thoughts from up there? It looks mighty uh, nice and breezy and sunshiny. It actually has been nice up here uh, summer-wise. I mean, we're we were kind of in a drought situation for a few weeks. Um, I think I, I went almost three weeks without having to mow the lawn. And then, of course, we got all that rain, and I had to cut it probably. It could have used it twice within one week. But uh, other than that, it's uh, been pretty pretty nice outside. Um, although 
for me anyway with my work, uh, this is a busy time of the year for me. So unfortunately, I don't get to take advantage of of that uh, nice weather a lot. Tuesday night is going to be a little fun. Oh, it? yes, you're right. It's going to be uh, the logic net. Mike and myself are going to be calling the net this time. So you have the actual details. Be the usual times, uh, 8 Central or 0100 UTC Tuesday night and uh, the usual connections. Hey, that looks like my shirt. Yeah, I was going to say that too. That pretty, does pretty look close. like your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> There's all the places you can check in on the net. A lot of different options, any mode you want or pick a dozen. So The only uh, thing in question there, I don't, I'm not sure about those Hamshack hotlines. No. Um, Actually, I think they may not be functional anymore. So if, if you find one that doesn't work, uh, send me an email or Tom an email, somebody, and let us know. And we'll make sure we get it off the thing for the next 7-3. 7 everybody. 7-3. 7-3. Actually, it is an email to email All right. from our uh, from a <laughs> viewer, Bill, over in uh, Circleville, Ohio, W8LV or W8LVVE3. Um, he operates from Canada too sometimes. But anyway, he uh, what what is that you have up, George? Wrong picture. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that is, That's Emil. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's not me. Well, let me um... <laughs> oh.